Hey friends, this episode of Clinic Gym Radio is brought to you by clinicgymconnect.com. Clinic Gym Connect is a wonderful, amazing communication software we've developed to help you grow your practice, add a gym, add other services, and make sure that your patients and clients are clear on what you do and the amazing service you provide. You can learn more at clinicgymconnect.com, but let me tell you this. As we move forward, as you want to grow, growth must include communication, and communication must be done effectively. If you're emailing your clients, you're not doing it effectively. Heck, only one out of every 10 emails is even open, let alone read. If you want to get a hold of your clients, the best way to do that is the way that they communicate in every other instance, and that is text messaging. So check out our text messaging solutions. You can do two-way text with your office. You can use text messaging to capture new leads at events or in videos. And you can use text messaging to follow up, send appointment reminders, and even ask people for reviews. It works so much better. It's so much more effective and people love it. So check out clinicgymconnect.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the US. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm, it's my pleasure today to be joined by Kevin Larrabee from Allied Strength out there in Massachusetts. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we are just talking about how it's getting towards the, the end of January. So as soon as we can get out of this uh, cold weather up here in the Northeast, thankfully, not too much snow yet. Uh, it's just going to be great to get back to warmer weather, especially with the COVID situation. It makes everything better. Nice. Yeah. I'm out here in Las Vegas. So we, uh, you know, not bad. <laughs> yeah, in another week or two, we'll have to put away our long sleeve t-shirts and bring out our regular t-shirts to regain our spring warmth. But uh, that's one thing you never have to do here. You don't spend a lot of time shoveling snow or de-icing the walkway. So that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Kevin, I am so excited to have you on today because uh, I think you've got an incredible backstory and then you have basically built a perfect size, 1000 square foot, super functional, functional training gym. Uh, but you did that after seeing years of a massive gym and training with some of the best in the, in the business. And you know, the reason I'm really excited is we're talking to chiropractors who are adding a gym and adding mm -hmm. a thousand square feet is very possible very quickly. Adding 10,000 square feet is not that possible. And if it is, it's going to be a couple of years out. So I'd love to talk about that. But first, can we talk about kind of how you got to this point? So your background and how you started in the world of fitness. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I kind of got the fitness bug uh, when I was in high school. I was a really overweight um, kid. I think it was between like my freshman and sophomore year of high school. I uh, kind of got fed up with being uh, really out of shape uh, and uh, just started running, getting into fitness more, eating a little bit better, um, at least better than what I was eating back then and lost a lot of weight. And then I was like, this is great. Uh, I want to keep doing this. So eventually that led me down the path of looking at uh, colleges where I could get into uh, the health science field, looking to be either, whether it be personal trainer, strength coach. I think the original goal was to uh, play for the Boston Celtics. Then the backup goal was to then be the strength coach for the Boston Celtics. Um, because, you know, if I, I was big into basketball and it was my path to the NBA uh, one way or the other. But the um, that path at uh, Keene State College ended up uh, leading me into doing a podcast that um, is kind of in hibernation right now, but I did over 500 episodes of the FitCast, which got me in contact with all these great coaches because this is back in 2006 when podcasts weren't as as prevalent. And you basically, I was a big nerd. You, you had to have the technical know-how to, to get all this stuff set up and to make it you know sound, sound good. So um, that allowed me to start that up. And I think in the first... Within the first, I think ten or twelve episodes, I've I had already talked to guys uh, like Eric Cressy and Mike Boyle. So that led me to connecting with Eric Cressy for my internship uh, after college. So I worked with him for about six months, 
And even he gave me the opportunity to lift with him during college, during the uh, break in between my junior and senior year. So I learned a lot from Eric Cressy. He was like the first guy to really put me under his wing. And he taught me taught me a lot about you know strength and conditioning. Wow. And it, it really was the foundation of what I know today. Uh, and and, then and just I, for our listeners out there, uh, one detail, you know, I don't know what year this was, Kevin, but uh, for those who th- have only seen Cressy on his big, huge, fancy Florida, Florida facility, he started out in a fairly small facility in in Nowheresville, Massachusetts, right? Basically in the sticks, kind of. Yeah. So it, it was even before that. So when when I was, I guess, getting out of college, he uh, was subletting space out of a like a throwing and, and batting facility for baseball. So his gym was smaller than mine. So I think he had, when he started then Cressy Performance, I think it was maybe 800, maybe maybe it's 800, 1,000 square feet, something like that. It was, it was around 1,000, maybe a little bit less. Um, and he started that up with him and, and Tony Genelcore and Pete Dupuy, um, who have all, they're all doing great stuff. And Pete's still with CSB and, and running the show there too. Um, but I mean, that was an opportunity to kind of see how to do it on, on a smaller scale. But yeah. I interned with Eric when he moved to his uh, original facility in Hudson, which was maybe about four or five thousand square feet. So still not not a very big space. And I think now, but a huge Hudson, jump from seven hundred sublet feet, you know, out in the corner and totally. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and and again, like I think Eric was a good guy to to learn some of this stuff from because I think he was very, um, you know economically uh, conscious of, of just being very sensitive of how much money you could put into a gym. So like they like basically moved in all their equipment themselves. They took everything from their kind of like sublet space, brought it over there and maybe got a couple new things. Like they got the athletes to do a lot of the work in terms of putting the flooring down. More of it was more of it was moved in the back of a Honda Accord than, than the, uh, you know, UPS freight truck showing up. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and you know, thankfully that he gave me six months of, of a great education there. And, uh, along with Tony and and Brian St. Pierre, who's now at uh, precision nutrition. And, uh, that allowed me to then go from there to do a year in uh, the commercial sector. So I worked at a Boston sports club that, you know, it's like Boston sports club, New York sports club. Um, so I started from really what a lot of folks in the world of strength and conditioning would consider to be the worst possible job, but it was fantastic for me because I had to earn every single client that I had every so like, sometimes you'd get a new sign up at the gym at Boston sports club and they would get like one free personal training session. So you get this session with someone that is probably not going to do personal training and it's, it's on you as a personal trainer to be good enough to kind of sell them on training and show them why you're worth a hundred dollars an hour. And, um, that was a Basically, great education. Yeah, it, it's a uh, sudden death audition, right? You get one hour to basically prove if you're worth it or not. And right. there's no guarantee of them coming back at all. Yeah. And this, the, I was fortunate in the case where I was going to a brand new gym that hadn't even opened its doors yet that I was interviewing for. And like, basically it was five, I was kind of like overqualified, which is the sad thing about sometimes commercial fitness is like, they looked at my resume and like, oh, you went to college? Oh my God, you have a CSCS? Wow. Uh, when can like, let's sign up. So, um, it worked out really well because I, I comparatively, I mean, we had great people working there, but like, I knew what I was doing because of that, thanks to that internship, that education. And, you know, at that point I've been doing three years of education through just interviewing people on the podcast, going to seminars where like I had a light years of education on top of anyone else that I was going up against. So I had a full client list. I was leading the, you know, staff and sales every month and it really quickly, it was like, okay, well, now there's nowhere else to go. Um, but then I think it was 11 months. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go back to grad school because that's what a lot of other people I knew did. So I'll go to grad school and get my master's. Um, but while I was asking for advice, I asked Mike Boyle, like, what do you think I should do? And he just happened to be, I was at the Boston Sports Club in Woburn. He happened to be two miles down the street. So um, their facility was two miles down the street. So he's like, what are you doing on Tuesday? I'm like, I'm doing nothing. Even though I had a full client sheet, I'm like, I don't care. If, if he wants to talk to me, I'm going to clear this up. And uh, so I went to talk to Mike and he's basically like, you know, how many clients do you think you could bring over, you know, would leave 
you know, that gym and, and come here. Um, and I was able to say, well, oh, like probably have enough. He's like, because I'm not going to be able to give you any coaching hours. You're going to have to basically work off of your PT because I don't have any room to hire someone. So I started, I was like, well, that makes sense. I went over there and then started um, some educational content companies with them, uh, Body Bobo Online. So I was able to make some revenue through that. And then it led to eight years of working at MBSC. Um, also, not just like coaching, but again, doing a lot on the business side and the educational side. On uh, With Body Bobo Online, we started a licensing company called MBSC Thrive, which is still around today, that licensed gyms, and then uh, co-founded Certified Functional Strength Coach uh, with that team that's still going on. And then after eight years there, which again, kind of, um, uh, like I said, it was more on the business side. I really missed coaching and I really started to not like what I was doing there, not and to any of their fault, but I didn't like managing people. Um, and I wasn't coaching. I was coaching like two hours a week, which wasn't good for me mentally because I, I got into this to coach. So I eventually ended up selling my stake in the certified functional strength coach company. And then just happened to find a thousand square foot little box that is five minutes from my house. And uh, there wasn't anything like this in Gloucester. So I'm about 35, maybe 40 minutes from Boyles. So we had athletes that were coming from Gloucester and that that area. So I know not a lot, but a couple. And I knew, you know, if I open up this space, I could do it with relatively low money. I think my rent when I opened up that space was 1300 bucks a month for rent. So it's like nothing. Um, and all it would really take was some of that money I got from the certification sale, put that into buying equipment, get up and running, and then eventually hope in the next you know two, three years that we can make this into a brand in the area. And um, now it is by far uh, the de facto place for any, especially for the local athletes. Like we have pretty much the best athletes in the area are coming to the gym. And from that, you usually get the parents and the adults in the area as well. They, they get to see that as well. So that's um, awesome. Yeah. It's been about three years now at this point that that's, it's, that's it's crazy awesome. to think like, had you had the same exact story, but you grew up in Chicago, right? It wouldn't have worked this way. Cause Cressy wouldn't have been that close. Boyle wouldn't have been, uh, you know, a, a two miles down the street or whatever. Yeah. Uh, thank God for that. But yeah, I mean, Massachusetts is kind of like a hotbed for really great strength and conditioning. Uh, yeah. Like Mike Ryan holds over here. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of great coaches that are yeah. that are in this area. I remember talking to the FMS crew and they said, you open up a course, uh, an FMS course anywhere in New England, it's sold out within 48 hours. You do the yeah. same thing in LA, which is a much larger city. They right. said that will never fill up to capacity. Yeah. I wonder if that's like more just the sense where, uh, you know, in LA it's, it's more physique based and in here it's almost more performance based yeah, because, know. uh, you know, it, again, for, for, for me, I, I think most of my business now is athletes, which I didn't think that would be the case. Like we, I really started trying to get, uh, initially it was really heavily on the side of adults. Like our adult groups are starting to fill up, but I struggled incredibly hard to get the first athlete in the door. I was offering like I was doing I was advertising three months of free training for any local athlete that wants to start up because I just need something so I can get some cred. I need to get some videos together so I can promote this thing. I couldn't get athletes to come to my gym for free. And then last summer I was sold out. So wow. uh, it, it's just like an amazing, just like weird thing yeah. of, you know, again, I wouldn't necessarily trust myself for marketing from that standpoint at the beginning because I didn't want to go down like, like I had friends trying to help me like with click funnels and like trying to do all these like weird marketing stuff. I'm like, I would just rather have the product speak for itself. The results speak for the gym. And then, you know, I'm sure if we get a couple good athletes and they succeed, then we are going to, you know, be successful. We'll be able to get more after that. And that's what's been working. Nice. Yeah. I, um, one thing too, that I, uh, there's a lesson I, I, I've heard, heard you talk about a couple times that I want to make sure everybody heard. One of the reasons to be great at producing content and putting out, you know, articles and, and going on podcasts and doing all that is that it attracts an amazing talent pool to work for you. You know, I mean, you were essentially working for Cressy for, did you do a free in, in, internship? Like you didn't get paid anything? No, I didn't get paid anything, but I built his website. I built it yeah. at, at his time. I built his website. We built an education, like a video library at Cressy. So he was paying me on the side for all this other stuff. Um, right. So, but had like, he not it, been it such a prolific content producer, you probably, he would have never hit your radar. 
you know, like, and, yeah. and never would have, you never would have gone there. Had you not known about Boyle, you probably never would have gone there. Right. And, and the fact that when you have something hot and you talk about it all the time, like you have some great content, people want to get educated by you and therefore they're willing. To, I mean, you worked for nothing for Boyle, essentially, like you had to bring in your own meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Carr and Brendan worked for him for basically peanuts early on, right? Because everybody wanted the education and they're willing to work for free essentially, or, or very low pay. So yeah. I think it, there's two lessons there. Number one, as you, as you're li- if you're listening to this and you're developing your systems, your models, and, and you have a different take, that's awesome. Start talking about it. Get it out there on the internet. Talk about it. And the little, you know, young Kevin Larrabee's of the world will be like, hey, I want to work for you and I'm willing to do it for ultra cheap. And the flip side of that is, if you ever want to know how to get good, work for the best person in your industry for free or cheap and they notice, right? Like you, you created a lot of opportunity, but with Cressy and Boyle by just saying like, I'll do that. I'll do it. Sure. I'll do it. I'll show up then or I'll show up Tuesday, even though (laughs) I have a full book or I'll build your website for you. And, and I'm sure there were days where you're putting in 18 hour days and yeah, that was everything you wanted at that time. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, and again, like the the thing that worked out so great in, in both spots, like in Boyle's especially, is like you know there was always something new to work on. Um, when we like got something up and running, there'd always be something new. And again, um, you know, I'm very thankful that they put their faith in me to to get all this stuff uh, up and running. And uh, even as a staff member at Boyle's, I don't think this is a secret. You're not going to probably make you know a lot of money working there. I think the best way I describe it to people that ever ask me like, what's it like to work there? Is that it, it? It's that master's program that I was going to go back for, but instead of instead of spending twenty five grand a year, uh, you know, I was making twenty five grand a year. Like I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was. It was being made up in education. Like as a staff member there, you're going to all these seminars for free. You're having all these people come in as guest lectures for free. Like there's so much uh, education that I got out of there. And then again, you know, if you are hungry and if you want to make more money, you can do that. If you're if you're willing to put in the effort um, and have a skill set that they need to uh, you know for for their business, yeah. Well, uh, and I could talk about this history all all day because it's 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 so great and it's just funny that you hit it at the right time in the right location in the United States, yeah. you know. But I want to move on to uh, you know you worked for Boyle and at the time, what was the biggest his gym? How many square feet was it at the time? Uh, well, right now they have two facilities. One, the main facility is 20,000 square feet. I think before we, uh, w- when I originally went to work for them, we were in Winchester and I think we had about 4,000 square feet. It might've been maybe four to, maybe it might've been six. I'm not good with square footage, but the training space wasn't that big. It was basically a turf room. Uh, yeah, it's probably like maybe 5,000 square feet of training space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we moved into a space that was 10,000 square feet. Um, and this would have been probably in 2010. And then uh, maybe about three years later, they bought the unit that was, or they rented out the unit that was next to them. So they added on another 10,000 square feet. That's mostly turf and office space. Um, so now it's up to 20,000 square feet. And I think their satellite facility is probably uh, for their training space might be closer to like six. Wow. Awesome. And now for those listening, you went from that space and you decided to open your own and I'm just going to guess day one, you weren't like, how can I open a 20,000 square foot facility? But right. you opened a 1,000 square foot facility. And we were talking before we hit record that you kind of learned some lessons along the way, right? Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, first, I wasn't even planning on opening a gym when I left. Like when I, when I left, when I left, like kind of boils and CFSC and all that stuff. I just knew I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't know I was, I was actually like listening to some other offers to do some similar stuff for other people people in the industry. Um, but I didn't want to do that same stuff, but I, you know, it, it, this was just, again, a lot of, a lot of just like good timing in my life where that space opened up and it happened to be available. And I could kind of like see the vision of, you know, this would Have be you read world. outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yeah. And he says like, if you were Henry Ford 10 years earlier, there's no gas. So your gas right, engine exactly. doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. And if it's 10 years later, uh, it's already prolific. So you couldn't have done it, but you happen to hit it at the right time. I, I mean, it, this space is literally, I don't know how, I just saw it on Craigslist. It's literally at the end of an industrial complex that no one goes to. It's not even on GPS. Like GPS doesn't really get it exactly right. That's kind of like how in the middle of nowhere it is. Yeah. Um, but 
Like you would never drive by. We don't get any drive-bys. We'll put it that way. Um, but yeah, when this space opened up, um, I started kind of doing the math and, and I, I literally opened up like a grid uh, kind of like software program to like kind of figure out how much space would I need to get done what I needed to get done. I started like poking or kicking the tires with... Um, uh, Griff over at Perform Better to see like what would it would it make sense to kind of do uh, to to lay out the right amount of equipment. How many people mm-hmm. can I train here at a time? Because at Boils, like I would sometimes have athlete groups of eighteen kids. Like that's not I'm not going to get that done in a thousand square feet. But I looked at it like I could probably do eight, and I have, yeah. and I can I could, I could even do nine. Because eighteen kids in an athletic training class sounds like a nightmare, anyways, Kevin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't optimal. We'll put it that way, and and that's like one yeah. of those things where you know, again, that was a uh, you know a, not a, a regular situation. Like usually, they kept the groups at twelve, but even that, I'm like, as one coach, it's hard to give enough attention to twelve athletes. I think sometimes like the sweet spot is like a six to one athlete to coach ratio, or for athletes are adults because I think mm-hmm. anything about that, you're going to miss something unless you just happen to have like four veterans in the group that know exactly what they're doing. So you can yeah. help out the two kids or the two adults that really need the attention. It's funny. Um, I always but, tell my clients that uh, early on, especially when you have new coaches, four to one is the perfect ratio because yeah. I, I find that you can adjust four different workouts for, oh, this dude has shoulder pain. This person's, you know, just coming back from surgery, blah, blah, blah. Right. At four, you can make every single exercise specific to that individual. At six, I, I think you probably think that's the right number because you're a very well-trained coach. But, you know, had we taken that day one when you were at, uh, you know, at oh, Cressy's, I, know I don't think you would have handled four. But but, <laughs> no. but I, I hope everybody's listening. Like, here's a guy that's worked for the best in the business. And he's saying six is the perfect number. Like, don't no need to get over that. Yeah, and and I, and I think like it, you know, it goes back to your programming systems. Like that can completely change on how you want to program. Like I was obviously yeah. adapting what we were doing from ABSC and putting my own kind of spin on it. But like you know, when it comes to the strength training portion of a workout, like there's going to be three exercises going on at a time. There's going to be an upper body, a lower body, and a core exercise mm-hmm. or some sort of corrective exercise. So in that case, it's like you know. You're going to have, you know, whether let's call it a push up, a single leg deadlift, and a plank progression. So you can have someone do a push up. Usually, my like racks, and we'll talk about the mistakes that I made financially. But the the, the racks are basically glorified push up, chin up, and TRX like row stations. Like we mm-hmm. really don't do like heavy cleans or anything like that because it doesn't work out logistically for what I'm doing at the gym. So um, with, that's the other that thing. If you're going to work with more than six at a time, you got to think about what equipment do you need, and in a thousand enough, square feet, yeah. can you even store it? I mean, you said cleans. Right. Like if you have six athletes cleaning at a time. Uh, or, you know, in rotation, like that takes up a lot of space. Ton, the actual yeah. exercise doesn't. For just one working, exercise though. And then yeah. that's, uh, it, it's all these, these kind of, the, it's, there's all these conversations and these compromises you're going to have with yourself yeah. and what you would love to have in that gym. Like mm-hmm. I would love to have a strength and conditioning facility like, that look like Texas Tech. That'd be nice right. because they have right. like platforms built into the ground. That's just not realistic for right. someone that's mostly going to be training middle school, high school, and uh, athletes, some college and athletes and adults. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. right? So like, I don't really yeah. need that stuff. For me, it'd be great to be like, this is my facility. Yeah. Look at this beautiful place. But it, realistically, it doesn't make a lot of sense financially. So um, even it's when funny. I- hope, Yeah. You, you, you're not in our Facebook group. I'd love you to be in there, but it's all clinicians adding fitness facilities, right? So they're adding that onto their, their clinic. And, um, and I just made a post last week and it started with the words, I hate squat racks. And the reason for that is I see so many people like, hey, I have a 600 square foot space. And they're like, I just bought my squat rack and I cringe. I'm like, you just committed yourself to basically half that space is now unusable, right? Because the right. squat rack and a barbell takes up so much space. And, you know, I always love when people go kettlebells and dumbbells first because yeah. you can do, you know, if you get a, you get that young athlete, uh, a goblet squatting a 106, like for reps. They're, they're strong enough. They're, yeah, sure. you know, they're not setting records, but they're strong enough. And also the space that takes is literally like two feet by two feet. Whereas with a bar, you know, they're, they're I don't know, high school males don't make the best decisions in the weight room, even with the best coaching. Totally. And you got to think about the safety factor, how much space it takes to load the sides, where you're going to store all those bumper plates or all the, all the uh, you know, you got to have a weight tree and it just starts getting bigger and bigger. I'm like, let's step back. And one point you're bringing up that I hope people consider listening to this is your training methodology has to match your business model. And, and that might be that you only have a thousand square feet, or that might be that you want to work with adults or 
an untrained population. Like you don't, I don't know how many uh, middle schoolers you know that need a, like definitely are in the class to need a weight, uh, uh, a barbell, but I would right. guess it's pretty close to zero. <laughs> it, even if I had the case, and then again, this is like one of the influences from Mike and just from seeing what we've seen over the years, it's like, I, I, you know, I don't plan on doing any bar loading of anything. The only time I ever put a bar in an athlete's hands is when they're going to college to get them ready for the testing they're going to have to do or mm-hmm. to just make sure. I mean, unfortunately, I've had situations where athletes have gone to colleges at, you know, good colleges, and they basically would tell their coach, like, this hurts my knee or this hurts my back. And the coach's response is, well, go lighter and keep doing what you're doing. And that's a shitty response. Sorry, I don't know if right. I swear, but that's a, that's welcome, a, that's yeah. a really bad, especially for that, that you can swear all day on that one because right. it, it, lighting, it, light, like lightening the bar is the least effective, least skilled version of, of proper progression and regression, right? It's right. the, it's the, 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 I mean, I could train a monkey to do that, you know, like I'll go lighter. But it's like, just lazy. It's it's yeah. just lazy. And it lazy. also like you're forgetting the number one responsibility that you have is the the do no harm part, which is if you have an athlete that you know has pre-existing injury history and you're having them do an exercise that causes that pre-existing injury to not feel good, then you're putting them at a risk of re-injury. And it's, and again, like this is one of those things where, um, unfortunately, there's some schools where their budget is not going to allow to get a great, you know, a strength coach that has 15 years of experience. They're usually getting someone that's 24 because they can pay them $65,000 a year and they're going to be happy about it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not an excuse for them, but um, it it's also goes to the point where I've, basically, I have to have sit-down conversations with all my athletes that go to college that, remind them, like, I will say, Josh, here's the deal. Like you're doing a great job in here. You're going to go to school and the program's going to be different. And you're going to have to do that program because you're not going to say, well, I'm not going to do this program because then they're going to go talk to your baseball coach and they're going to tell them, well, Josh isn't doing the program. So I just want to let you know he has a bad attitude. He won't do the exercises that I give him. So when you go to college, what you got to do is you just got to make sure that you are your own boss and you're honest with the strength coach. And if they have you do something that A, you're not comfortable with or B, causes pain, you have to let them know. And if they cannot give you an alternative, if they can't give you a progression or regression, if they can't lateralize the exercise, um, what I want you to do is first tell them that you know it hurts and that you need to do something different. If they can't give you a response, shoot me an email. And what I'll do is if you give me that exercise, I'll give them three different variations of that exercise that you could do that would be pain-free. And don't say it's coming from me. Say, hey, I just did this like before in the summer. Like, can I do this exercise instead? And they have to give you a very good reason uh, that you would not be able to do that exercise. I mean, again, they're going to have their own logistical issues as well. The reason why sometimes a lot of these athletes are going into college and like, let's say it's a it's a female soccer player who hasn't done bar bar work before. If she's going in there, they're just doing this bar work because they have fifty racks that line right. their yeah. beautiful strength and conditioning facility. Dude, it's. Like that, just because you have the racks doesn't mean you have to use them though. Yeah. In the world of chiropractic, Kevin, it's, 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 if you have an x-ray machine in your office, the likelihood of everybody getting x-rays is super high. But the funny thing is, right. It totally doesn't affect your treatment modalities. It doesn't affect your treatment plan. Maybe in 1% of people, it provides some sort of information that's going to change what you would have originally chosen. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that much, you know? So right. anyways. I, I want to, I would definitely want to get to your five lessons of, of a thousand square feet, but uh, the good news is that you and I are simpatico, baby. We're, <laughs> we're on the same page, just approach it from a different way. But the thing I love is when you come down to just the, the, the best principles, many people agree, no matter which path they took to get there, you know, whether it was your path through working for some of the best coaches in the industry or me getting, you know, educated in, in injury prevention we came back to the same thing of going, Hey, these people need to lift. That's why we do this podcast is people exercise is probably the most effective treatment modality. And the other stuff that we do just gets us to the ability to exercise, but I've never seen a condition. The only one sometimes is headaches that don't truly improve with exercise. But even then, um, you got to create some windows. And then when you can get into exercise, uh, then you do have an advantage there, but uh, it doesn't matter what your license is. You're going to end up there. And that exercise has to be effective. It has to be fun. It has to be interesting. People bought, and for a business, people got to be willing to pay for it. You know, right. if it's, 
if it's boring or it's like 65 minutes of basically low-level ground-based rehab, I don't care if they're dying in pain or they're trying to get into college. They're not paying you for that. <laughs> right. It, I, I mean, that, 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 that goes maybe to like the number one kind of requirement after decent education is not being a, a, a boring, you know, person to work with. Um, because I, I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, we go back to me in, in middle school or in high school, like being really overweight, I was scared to death of the, the gym when I went there for the first time. I had no idea what to do. And I think that's still one of the biggest problems with our fitness and with the industry as a whole is, and it was one of the inspirations for opening up Ballad Strength is like, you have someone that walks through the door of a health club. There are 78 different machines to use and there's, there, no one has any idea of, of how to use them. And if you don't look like you know what you're doing, you're worried, oh man, someone's going to look at me like, I don't know how to use this. So you end up walking on the treadmill or use the elliptical and that's all you end up doing. Um, so with fitness today, we need to make it much more approachable. I think it is going to be much more coaching base. I think that's where a lot of the value of something like a Peloton, where basically people are getting coaching through that video and it's more enjoyable for them because they have people with great personalities that have energy that make sure, like I was actually talking with one of my clients about this yesterday. It's like, you should never, uh, I can't remember what we were talking about. Oh, we were talking about how some of the teachers are having issues as students are going back to a hybrid uh, at in schools in Massachusetts right now. And some of the teachers are basically pissed off about it. Like they're really unhappy about it because they don't think like it's safe enough and whatever, but you should never let the kids know that. And some of the kids were going back to school and some of the teachers were like, you guys shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't be here. I don't even know what we're doing, but that should never be the case. Like they should come back into the schools, just like someone walking through my gym. I could be having the worst day possible, but once you walk through the door, it's like, oh, Josh, how you doing, man? You having a good morning so far? Oh, man, what'd you get up to over the weekend? Like, you got to be able to have that good, like, give and take. Otherwise, you know, it's not going to really even matter how good the results are. Like, if you're right. a, a pain right. to hang out with for an hour, no one's going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I think you bring up a lot of good points. Um, just for the sake of time, you mind if we hop into your five lessons you've learned of, of operating at a thousand square feet? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think, you know, number one is, you know, when you're putting together that template of, of what you want to do, we talked about making sure that, you know, your, you have a programming system in place, but then your equipment and your layout has to basically be built for that programming methodology. So I made a big mistake uh, building a gym. A I basically built a home gym for myself. So when I opened up the gym, I had all these great power racks, you know, and, and they're, they're still there today. They're, they're, they're great, but I probably overspent on things like making sure I had, uh, I, I overspent, I, I, I had like a plate tree for the sleds. Like I had all this stuff that not only did I overspend on, but it just took up too much space. And you can kind of get away with it at the beginning when there's no one training there, but you, and maybe sometimes you have two people at a time. But when I got up to the point where I was training eight people at a time, I found I really needed more space. So I think another, uh, big trend that we are going to continue to see is the minimalist gym where mm -hmm. you're basically saying like, I need to have the minimal amount of equipment in here possible. What can I get to consolidate down to do all the exercises that I need to do? Like how much can I get done with kettlebells? Like kettlebells are extremely versatile. You mentioned that dumbbells are extremely versatile. I even scaled down my dumbbells. Like I don't have any dumbbell racks anymore. When I opened the gym, I had dumbbells five to a hundred pounds and five pound increments. And I'll, like, again, when I'm working with like, this populations that I'm working with, I really, I, first thing I got rid of when I started needing more space was my 55 to hundred pound dumbbells. I swapped wow. those out for a couple sets of power blocks that were happy. You know, they just happened to be in storage at MBSC that they were able to sell to me at a very reasonable price. Um, but even today I just, this, or was it yesterday? Maybe it was yesterday or two days ago. I sold the rest of my five to 50 pound dumbbell rack as well. And all I have in there now is I have three sets of adjustable power blocks um, because... So, so the square footage was more important than, uh, than having that, you know, easy to find weights. And because yeah. you only work with six people, sometimes eight in a class three sets of power blocks serve the purpose of what the 55 through 100 did. E easily. And again, like for the most part, like when, when the COVID stuff happened, that'll, that actually helped quite a bit in me scaling things down because when COVID hit, I like quickly went out and bought a bunch of extra equipment because I kind of saw like the, the shortage coming and I wanted to send people home with equipment so we could continue training. So mm. I sent everyone home with two kettle. Like I, I spent 
like $7,000 on equipment so we could continue Ooh. training remotely. And it, it, it gave me the ability when we reopened, it's like, I have a ton of extra kettlebells down. So yeah. what we ended up doing is basically anything that we could do with a kettlebell, we used to use a kettlebell instead of a dumbbell because I had so many extras that allowed you to have your, basically your own set of kettlebells for the whole session. So from a safety standpoint, it made a lot more sense. Also, people weren't running all over the gym, putting stuff back. It kept people in their lanes. So from a safety standpoint, we can stay socially distanced. So you know, we only end up using dumbbells for two exercises at my gym, dumbbell snatch, uh, which is our alternative to kettlebell swing for um, uh, power development for our athletes. And then also for bench press, that's it. Uh, sometimes for, for dumbbell row, but again, you can use a kettlebell for that. The only downside what of the kettlebell What do you do is, when you're going heavy on like RFEs? I mean, I, I'm going to guess that you, you get some kettlebells. Heavy- I got, kettlebells? I mean, we kettlebells and weight vests. Like again, I, you know, I have athletes that will, you know, I, and, and now that I have the power blocks, so now I have three sets of the the pro power blocks that can go into, I think it's 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 zero five and 7.5 pound air commitments because they have the little weights in the middle. So now I've been uh, having, uh, I've been beginning to introduce those back into uh, things like roof and elevated split squats because the problem with the kettlebells is that I have four kg increments. I don't have like 16, 18, 20, 22. So it's a big jump from, tw- especially when you're going from like an, like a 12 to a 16, we're talking a huge percentage jump, right? So what we ended up doing is that for the lower body stuff, say a single leg deadlift or a riff at all of it, split squat, something where our split squat, any single leg exercise, what we do is we would stick with one kettlebell on the same side as the trailing leg, right? So if we're using our left leg for the work, we're holding in our right hand. So then we also get like a core hip stability benefit out of it as well, which had a huge carryover to sports performance. Yeah. I actually saw like that, that had a huge benefit. And again, it was just because we had to do it for logistics, but it ends up being a better programming strategy. I don't care for athletes and for adults, because yeah. again, they're going to deal with the same issues of low back again, just like that relationship between yeah. hips and core stability, like that's really important. So um, it. it ended up being a benefit. And if we need to like go and start, uh, so I'll have someone like hold one weight in one hand to about 28 kg until it becomes hard for that person to actually just hold on to something heavier, we'll split up into two. And in that case, we can split that weight in half. But also if I need to go in that four kg increment instead of, a, excuse me, a two kg increment, what I can do is give you a 12 and a 16 and we'll just hold the heavier weight on the same side as our trailing leg. So we can still get that same like diagonal force yeah. benefit Love it. Um, with, with that smaller increment. So now what you'll see in my gym is we basically have a kettlebell rack and then we have kettlebells against the wall. And then we have three sets of power blocks and I have a ton of open space where like you can look at an AB of the, when I open the gym, like there's, it looks like there's no space in the gym. The gym looks tiny. And now when you walk into the gym, it's like, there's a ton of space in here. And there is because everything is against the wall. Everything yeah. is either kettlebells, dumbbells. And the last like two big uh, uh, additions that I made were one, I added uh, anchor pulleys uh, a couple months ago uh, because like, you know, those guys came into boils. It basically allows you to add a pulley system to a rack or to the wall without having to put in a big, you know, cable system, which I didn't have before. So that was a huge addition. And then I ended up spending four grand on a assault air runner because another limitation that I had uh, for the gym from a sports performance standpoint is I don't have a runway to do sprints. Like we could barely do like 10 yard sprints and we're doing like five, 10 fives, like with very little room for error. Otherwise you're running into a sled or running into that kettlebell rack. So that air runner allowed me the ability to do like eight, eight second, like max sprints in the, in the workouts for athletes to work on their speed development and explosiveness. Um, but aside from that, like, again, it is a pretty simple setup in the gym and it's just worked out really well. Yeah. So picking the right equipment is not just, uh, what Kevin wanted in his personal workout room. It's really what will serve my business the best. Right. And, and also be, like be ready to just get rid of stuff. Like what I, I, I just that, kept peeling stuff away. I kept getting rid of more and yeah. more equipment over the I think last another three way years. for those listening, like don't start by spending 20 grand. I, I'm almost, I've never met anybody that yeah. spends it the right way. Like start out no. with what you think is too little equipment and then you'll become right. a great coach. And I mean, I've had a great workout using a freaking <laughs> one of the greatest workouts I've ever gone through was working with, you know, Tom house. He, he no. works with a lot of pitchers and stuff. He does this whole shoulder rehab. Tom took us through an hour long program that used our body and a metal folding chair. And that was, (laughs) and I was absolutely smoked and it was an 
it was challenging. He kept it interesting. And it was like, you can get those all day at Costco for 15 bucks. So right. don't tell me that you need no. a bunch, you know, and it, but you know, minivans, I, yeah, I'm, I'm working on a course right now called a, a world-class rehab center for less than a thousand dollars. And I think yeah. you can have everything, you know? Yeah. So and, 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 and again, it's not like right now it's a little bit weird because, you know, it's going to take you three months of back order to get anything. But normally, like if you have a good equipment supplier, performator, rogue, whatever, yeah. you, you can usually get stuff pretty fast. So if you're like, oh my God, yeah. I just had my business just doubled. All right, we'll just order more equipment. And, right. uh, and again, people I, love seeing your gym grow. They want, they, yeah. you know, seeing a new, hey, we got new stuff. That's exciting to post up on social media. It's exciting it's, for people yeah. to come in and go, we got the air runner. You want to try it? It, but the more than you think it would be, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, or they're like, hey, can some can you guys stick around and help me uh, assemble some bikes today? They'll be like, oh yeah, I'd love right. to. People want to be part of it. And that was, I mean, you know, you talk about the piece of equipment, like the, the, when we got the anchor pulleys, it allowed us to do rotational core work. It allowed us to do explosive rotational work, which I, I don't have a med ball wall. So I can't throw, I can't do side tosses to a med ball. So for, for athletes and adults, that was a, a huge upgrade. I'm like worrying about $2,000 for four of these things. But like it, it the first, it, w- it was just surprising. Like one of the adults that was in our adult group said like, oh no, this is like, this is a really fun exercise. We're doing like cable chops and cable lifts and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. now it gives, me a much uh, more versatility when it comes to the core programming for uh, for everyone that that comes to the gym. And then I, I recently we talked about like I just spent a ton of money to start the year, but I bunch I replaced all my air assault bikes with Rogue Echo bikes, which are somehow cheaper uh, than the the assault pros. Like the, I think they're seven seventy five or like they're under hand or eight hundred bucks, and these bikes kick the shit. Uh, sorry for swearing again. They kick the crap out of these air these aerosol bikes. They're quieter. They have a much smoother ride. And again, it's just one of those things I didn't look at because I don't have a CrossFit gym. Like I don't look at Rogue stuff, but they I have Rogue sleds and Rogue bikes. And I think if you're looking for air bikes, like you got to go to Rogue because it's just a much, like it was a you know, huge upgrade in it. And people yeah. like mention it, like they talk about it at the gym now that, that they love, hate these bikes way more. Yeah. Uh, for those listening, if you don't have air bikes, uh, Kevin mentioned something I just want to bring up. Having the most quiet one you can is a huge deal. Oh, because you get four assault air bikes going and you can't hear anything else in that gym. I mean, it's you, just the one. You can't hear me. I can't coach other people right. I, because I, when, when, with the way that it's set up, like for, for programming, like again, I, I, have, I have three air bikes now. When I opened the gym, I had four. But now I, if I have a group of six, I have you know, two or three people, like for a sports performance group, I'll have two or three people on the bikes, two or three people on the sleds, two or three people on the slideboards. So I need to be able to coach the other people that aren't on the bikes. Yeah. Like these bikes are significantly quieter and they're just much smoother. Like they're built like tanks where I feel like at some point these air assaults are going to like oh, fall yeah. apart. I, I like the old four air assaults and you're always tightening. You're always, I mean, I know, I know they're just, they're, I don't, I don't want to be down on the company. I just think that there were improvements that could be made. And I think Totally. And, and they did. Looked at they it they and just said, charged $300 more for them now. They're called the Assault Pros. Yeah. And, and it's literally like they took like Rogue copied Assault and did a better job. And now Assault has, is copying Rogue, but they're charging more. Like, again, don't get mm-hmm. those bikes. Don't get those Rogue Echo bikes in your facility because once you do, like I did, I bought two, immediately sold all my air, air bike, <laughs> my Assault bikes, and then bought a third one. Like they're yeah, that, they're right. that good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I think. Air bikes for you know those listening are a fantastic use of space. If you want one cardio piece of equipment, uh, I mean jump rope is fantastic. But you know there's a lot of older clients that just don't dig jump rope and whatnot. Yeah. That's probably the most efficient. Battle ropes are great, but they spread across the entire room and only one person uses them at a time. Uh, the the treadmill is fantastic. An air runner, it's seven thousand dollars each. Yeah, seven hundred dollars for a bike is a great deal. And I have yet to meet meet anybody who can't get smoked on that thing in very short order. Right. And I even bought a, and this is again, one of those mistakes that I made last week is I bought a concept to skier and yeah. for the setup at the gym, like we just couldn't get people's heart rates up high enough in, mm-hmm. in the way that we're like, I need someone to be jumping on and off. Like we were trying to do like 25 seconds on and 35 seconds off with a five second buffer. So you can team up with someone to use it. It's just like, we can't get our heart rates up enough. And if I have someone twice a week, I need to get as much out of that metabolic conditioning as possible. Or for an athlete, I need to get out of, as much out of that conditioning as possible. So if I have eight to 10 minutes twice a week, I need you on the bike. I need you doing sleds. I need you doing something that's going to get you the best results possible because 
it's a results-driven business. If I'm not getting someone results, um, it's going to reflect on the program. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, with the time, I mean, man, you are, you're just a wealth of information. I don't <laughs> think we're going to get to two, three, four, and five, but let right. me ask you this. We talked about equipment, right? And there's lots of decisions you can make in equipment. And I think it comes down to this. Buy way less than you think you need. Whatever yeah. your list is when you're starting out, just cut it in half. <laughs> yeah. At least you'll save that money from the mistakes you weren't going to make. And like Kevin said, if a month into it, you're busy, which everybody thinks is going to happen, but never actually happens. But, you know, and you get flooded with athletes you can order that stuff and it'll come in within a week and Hey, they'll never know. They'll never know. Right. But you know, what you can't do, what you don't want to do is have no money in your bank account needing to stay open for, you know, the seventh month when you don't have the membership numbers you want and now be strapped for cash. That's a worse situation. And no, you know, your, uh, your landlord doesn't give a shit about the extra kettlebells you just happen to have. Those can't pay rent. Right. And I think the, the, the one thing I would make sure you do is, you know, just, Make sure you spend the money on the stuff that you need to get the door open and and yeah. don't and and do the flooring right. You know, I've seen I've heard too many horror stories of people trying to do their flooring themselves. Some people do it right. Sometimes yeah. people get like those squares of flooring and put them in. Just get it done right because I, I think that's another thing that makes my facility look really good is that, you know, performator came in and they did the flooring. I paid extra for it. But yeah. I didn't want to risk putting down a bunch of turf and then having it bubble up. You know, a couple months later, this stuff was put down three years ago, and it looks like it was just put in yesterday. It's it, yeah. it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, my recommendation. Uh, I don't know how you feel about this. A lot of people put turf in, and especially in small facilities. And six months later, they realize, oh, I wish it would have gone against that wall, or I wish it would have been turned ninety <laughs> degrees. Right. You know, and uh, I don't know about you, if you wish it would have been on the other side of your gym because you have it on one side of your gym and not the other. And so, my first recommendation is get really good rolled rubber flooring. Like I think perform better is the best provider of that. And then spend the next six months finding the best layout of your facility. Like where do you want to put dumbbells? All right, let's move them over here. Let's move them over there. And then when you finally get to a point where you're like, you know what? I need turf and I need it over here. You'll know exactly how much and exactly where you want to do it. Uh, now you're going to throw out half your rubber flooring before year one, but I think some, it's a lot cheaper than flooring turf <laughs> and blue tape is going to make, right. You know, that's going to be a great uh, process of getting better. Yeah, that oh, turf, once you glue it down, you basically, you know, and this is the thing I asked them when we put it down, like, oh, what if I go to a bigger space? Can I bring it with you? It's like, no, after you glue it down, it gets destroyed when you bring it back up. Yeah, it's one with the building, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so you talked a lot about equipment. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure we could talk about, you know, software, memberships, um, you know, dollars and all that. One thing that we talked a little bit about before I hit record was the idea of providing your members with amenities. And a lot of people think like, you know, I'm, I'm a member of a lifetime gym here locally. I mean, the place has two different saunas, a hot sauna, a dry sauna. It's got showers. In the showers, there's body wash, shampoo, conditioner, you know, the razors are included. All these beautiful amenities and it's super expensive and it's 250,000 square feet. And there ain't no way you're going to compete with them at a thousand right. square feet. But what have you learned about the amenities you can provide and some things that people might not think are a big deal that in fact are a big deal? Well, one of the amenities that I put in, in it and I thought of from the start was to actually keep people from bringing their cell phones onto the floor, which is when you step in the door, I have uh, like an Ikea cubby thing that has yeah. eight, eight blocks in it. The Kalex. The Kalex, yeah, exactly. It's, it's required. And, if you have a small gym, you have to have a Kalex. But before your air bikes, before <laughs> your kettlebells, man, the Kalex is the number one. <laughs> I got two in my office right next to me here too. Yeah. For, for, I'm not even joking. Um, so with, uh, with that, I, I got one of those big ass like USB uh, stations and every single one has an iPhone charger in it. We, I'm not even, I don't think we've ever had an Android user step through the door at the gym. I don't know what that says. Well, you says. wouldn't let them get a membership, right? I mean, they can I, do I a guess one not. trial, but I, yeah. I'm talking on a MacBook with an iPhone and an Apple watch in front of yeah. me right now. So, um, basically each one of those has a charging station. It. And the first time people start to, oh my God, I can charge my phone. And like, I have kids that come in after school. The first thing they do, they don't even say hi. They plug their phone in first. Yeah. And that makes sure that one, they're happy that they get to charge their phone up. And the adults too, adults use their phone as much as kids now, but they are charging their phone. But then, it's not with them on the floor. So they're not checking their phone like all the time. They have Love to keep it, it over, where, over there that's, a, that's away from them. Um, so that's a, that's a big one. It's simple. It's super cheap. But I, I can't tell you how many compliments I got about oh, people yeah. saying, 
oh, it's so great. You, I can charge my phone here because I forgot right. to charge it last night or something. Right. Um, then in, in the bathroom, like I don't have a sauna. I don't have a swimming pool. I don't have a shower. All I have is a toilet and a sink and a bench. So in there, I have a couple things that, again, people bring up like all the time. I can't believe you have this. Um, one is I have spray on deodorant in case anyone's either coming from work or have a kid coming from school or maybe just came from home and forgot to like put on some deodorant. You don't want to stink up the gym. People can get very self-conscious about that. I have men's and women's spray on deodorant. So you can just spray it on in that way, especially if like in a group, you don't want to be the smelly person in the group, right? Right. Um, or you might've just like forgot to change your shirt. You can just spray it on your shirt so you don't smell. Um, the other thing is I also have uh, hair elastics for, for men and women. You know, there's men that, you know, have long hair as well. Um, but like I, the first time I had, I think it was one of my female athletes came in and asked me for a hair elastic. I'm like, no, if you look, if you, if you're not watching video of this, I'm, I shave my head, so I don't really need hair elastics, <laughs> but I can see how for female athletes, like they're always, especially they're doing kettlebell swings. Like this happened literally yesterday where a female athlete's hair was kept smashing, smacking her in the face. So she runs to the bathroom, gets a hair elastic. She knows they're there. And I actually have a sign that's on the door that says, uh, you know, like, we got you. If you forgot anything, I have hair elastics. I have spray on deodorant. I have clean, brand new pairs of socks. If you somehow are like, if your socks, like if you're in the summer, you need a fresh pair of socks. Or if you're going to go somewhere after this. Yeah, but some guy fresh- coming from his office that, you know, was wearing dress socks or something and forgot. I've done that before. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's that. And like, uh, I also have a, like a assortment of like sport tampons for, for women as well. Because again, like it's all these things that I wouldn't think of as a guy. But I can't tell you how many times yeah. I've had female clients and and member and adult group members and athletes say like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you actually like thought of this." Like that means more than anything you could have done in our training session yeah. today to just like that you actually cared yeah. about that stuff. And those are the things that allow you to go above and beyond. It separates you from those other facilities because right. I don't charge for that stuff. I just have it there. Like if right. you need it, you know, and hair elastics. It. You can get a hundred of them for like four dollars at Walmart. I mean, it's like nothing for a dollar. Like you can yeah. get them at the dollar store. Uh, okay. So like, yeah. or going to Amazon, like I think I, I got like, you know, not, and this is the other thing I didn't know about. I have multiple different thicknesses of hair elastics mm. because you can't have one thickness there. You need to, I don't know why, but there's different, like I have three different sizes of hair elastics based right. on hair type or how, I don't know, whatever you need it for. So um, like those are the big things. And I also added in an Avalon um, water dispenser. So everyone gets filtered water there. It was one of those yeah. things that I did from like, I think it's better for the environment environment to not be just selling bought like bottles of water, but also did it as like a merch thing. Every time someone signs up at Allied, they get a vacuum insulated water bottle. That's not cheap. It's like 25 bucks to get a made. Um, they get it, they get a t-shirt and with that bottle, you can bring it with you every single time you can fill it up. And that way you can make sure that you're getting water that tastes good. You're staying hydrated. We talk about the importance of hydration, but also all people will be like, yeah, before I leave, can I fill up my water bottle? I'm like, yeah, go for it. And like, those are the little things that, uh, have basically like we have the, I would say for the most part, everyone that trains at our gym, the adults, the athletes, whatever, they're like diehards. They're wearing, they, they have so much merch that they're wearing all the time. We have face masks. I'm wearing like, you can, if you're watching the video, I have Anything that I can put an Ally Strength logo on, I have it because what I realized is what was not working was my Instagram ads, my Facebook ads. When I opened up, what was working was my referrals. I would say ninety percent of anyone that walks through that door, they didn't see an ad, they didn't, they they saw maybe someone with a logo on their shirt, or they saw someone that succeeded in a sport, or hey, you lost twenty pounds, you're wearing that Ally Strength shirt. Tell me more about that place. They bring them in. Like that's where I get most of my businesses referrals. I I, I think I, I wasted so much money on ads in the beginning. Like we talked about the fact that I offered three months of free training for athletes. Mm-hmm. I spent a hundred dollars advertising that on Facebook and Instagram. I didn't get one person to sign up for it. So like wow. this is the stuff that has made a, a big difference for for Allied Strength. You know, going into you know its uh, fourth year of existence. Nice. So along with that, as we wrap up, uh, going into your fourth year. What do you think the focus is going to be in this next year? If you look at this as from a business perspective, so not, you know, what, I mean, I think you have it pretty well laid out. What training program you're going to do? You got to pretty well refined your equipment, right? But what's going to be your focus in business this year? I mean, I, I think the big thing is, is trying to, well, it, it, the, the thing that we're running into right now is the unknown of where COVID is in the next 
three, six, and nine months. So um, right now, from a business standpoint, I'm just trying to make sure I can accommodate everyone that wants to train there because I'm running into a little bit of a, of a space issue because right now in Massachusetts, I can only train groups of four at a time because I can only have six people per thousand square feet. So I'm, I'm down. I could, I could basically have five people in there at a time. Mm-hmm. It'd be uh, five extra people. It would be a pinch though. Um, so right now, what I'm running into is how can we accommodate everyone that you know, wants to train there, but also the fact that I'm a one person show. I don't have any employees. I don't want to have any employees. Like one of the best parts of my job right now is I'm at home right now and I lock the door at the gym. And when I, you know, have the next person, I go back to the gym, I unlock the door and the gym's open again. I don't have no, I have very little stress and I don't have to do any management of employees, which I think for a lot of people drives them out of the industry. They think they want to make more money and just have a bunch of employees. And what they find is, and this is what I found at MBSC is as I started coaching less and managing people more, I got really unhappy. And what happened Mm -hmm. was I was making more money there, but I was coaching less and it didn't work out mentally. Now, you know, I'm able to get the best of both worlds because the gym is very successful now and a thousand square feet. I made well over six figures last year, which was, I, I, I honestly can't believe in the year of COVID where I was shut down for 12 weeks, mm-hmm. broke, broke that, you know, broke six figures, which for this year, now it's just about building on top of that and making sure that everyone that helped me get to where I am today, they still come first. They still have priority because I, again, I'm, ext- I'm extremely loyal to the people that are loyal to me for, in that business standpoint. I have athletes that literally help build that program that I will drop everything for. I have mm-hmm. clients that literally trained when I they were my first client where I still charge them the same thing that I charged them three years ago where I'm charging new people a lot more because mm-hmm. they helped me keep the door open and they helped with referrals and stuff like that. So I, I think for me, it's about just helping accommodate everyone allowing, uh, still being extremely loyal to the people that helped me get the gym to where it is today, but also, you know, figuring out how do we continue to grow this business as a one man show or one person show without, um, you know, having to continually drink energy drinks all day. <laughs> well, that'll never go away. Come on. No, I, you, you know, can't again, be a I, trainer if you, if you don't drink energy, energy drinks or I try not to today, but I already drank coffee this morning. So I'm drinking, uh, you know, the fantastic rock star energy. Yeah. How many meals a week are you eating out of tub work? Cause that's the other measure of a, of a good trainer. Uh, right? Zero. The, the problem is that I only have one, like I probably have two real meals a day. Most of the part, mm-hmm. you know, again, this is the trainer lifestyle where, all right, I have a client I'm booked literally some days from 6 30 AM to noon. So if I'm lucky, I might drink a protein shake. Uh, mm-hmm. I might come home and, and take my dog out and then I might have a small meal here and then I might make a meal at the end of the day. But for the most part, it's um, it's like a full-time gig. Like we, again, it's the thing is I'm trying to work on for myself this year is I've really put my, my health last. Uh, and I think this happens with a lot of people in the industry. Again, a lot of the good coaches, um, some of the best coaches I know, I would say, they don't have APAC apps. It's because they're not the focus. The focus is the people that they're working with. Like at the end of the day, as long as you can make sure that you are there, you have the energy, you're coaching and you can demo everything correctly, I think you're doing a great job but you also need to prioritize your health. You don't necessarily say, all right, well, Josh, I can't train. I can't come on this at two o'clock because I have to cook some brown rice and chicken and I have to do, you know, my 60 minutes of steady state cardio because that's going to help me get my abs today. Like that's, that's not where my head's at. For me, it's about how do I make sure that I'm just the best possible coach and the best possible person for the people that need my help today. Nice. Well, I think those are good words to wrap this up with, man. And, and it sounds like uh, we need to schedule a part two of this because I absolutely, yeah, we never dove into lessons uh, of two through five, but <laughs> right. I think that thousand square feet mark. I think you have a great point that you know you're you're clearing over six figures with essentially one coach. He's a full time coach, but you know it's not taking a lot to do that, and right. you're able to work with quite a few people. And I think that they're you know they the camaraderie, the community that builds in a small facility is awesome. So it's, it's Kevin, huge. Yeah. If people want to get a hold of you or reach out, are you okay with that if they have some questions or totally. talk about the facility? And where where's the best place to find you? Uh, well, I, I guess the best place, the best first stop is probably at allied underscore strength on Instagram because that way you can kind of get a feel for what what I'm doing there. Um, because really all the videos that are there are people training at the gym. So you can get a feel for the layout and all that stuff. And you can also you can literally go back in time. You can look at the history and see what it looked like three years ago because it, it looks tra- uh, 
kind of drastically different now. Um, also, alliedstrength.com. You can also email me, kevin at alliedstrength.com. And I think my other Instagram is at Kevin Larrabee. I don't really do Twitter or Facebook much anymore, but I know Allied Strength is on Facebook. So if you don't have Instagram and you want to see those videos and see what the gym is up to to get some inspiration, if you want to do something similar, that would be the place to do it. And you can contact me through there as well. Fantastic. Well, Kevin, this is this has been awesome. I really appreciate all the information you've shared. I think it's really going to help some people out. And uh, yeah, I would highly recommend going on to Kevin's Instagram because that's actually what inspired this podcast was I saw your choice between <laughs> the the updated, the old version of the gym and the new version. Yeah. And I thought, man, that thousand square foot mark is perfect for a lot of the listeners here. So I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you anytime. And I uh, appreciate your time and the uh, time of the audience for for hanging out and listening for an hour. Awesome. So on behalf of Kevin Larrabee at Allied Strength in Massachusetts, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hey, I want to let you know that this episode was brought to you by clinicgymconnect.com. Clinic Gym Connect is our new exciting communication software that I think will revolutionize your practice, blow your customers away with amazing customer service and allow you to grow by offering the solutions that your office offers. So if you want to check out more, just go to clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com and check it out there. Thanks.